Good evening. I hope everyone listening, you and your families are well. And we're in the middle of Hanukkah right now, and that all the Shefa Rav from the Oragonos, as it says, we're supposed to look at the candles for a number of minutes, half an hour, 20 minutes, um, to absorb into our neshamas, the Or HaGonos that are in HaKoin, as the Ramban in Parshas Baloscha says, that when he lit the menorah in the Mishkan for the first time, he drew down the possibility of Klai Yisrael being able to enjoy Ruchnia, spiritually, the Or HaGonas, which was taken away after the Chet of Adam Marishon. We know that by everything that was created, it says, Vayehichain, but by Or, by light, it says, Vayomer Lakim Yehi Or, not Vayehichain. And the Zayar Kodesh says, Mishum Delohavachain, because it did not remain. Everything else, the seas, the skies, the trees, the vegetation, the landscaping, everything remained as it was originally created, with the exception of the or, the light. And that was taken away. The Baal Shem Tev said that when someone learns Torah, Lishma, and really has a good feeling, that's being Nena from the Or HaGonos. But most say that we have to wait until Mashiach comes, and that's where we're, when we will benefit from the Or Hagonos, that the light outside, that what we think is light, is not really light. Like a person being inside of a pit, and there's a crack in the pit, so when it becomes daytime, that's what he thinks is light. But if they took him out of the pit and he saw how light it is outside, it's not just a crack of light, but it's so light that that's how it's going to be when Mashiach comes, that the light switch will go on and we'll see and benefit and enjoy the Or HaGonos. But Aaron HaKohen was not happy with that. So it says in the Pasuk in Baloscha, Vayas Kain Aharon, that Aaron did so. And the Mephorshim explain, as the Ramban does, that Vayas Cain, he brought back the Cain that was missing Vayehi Cain, and he brought it back as he lit the menorah, that the Oragonus should come into it, and that when there will be the story of Hanukkah on, and we will be lighting menorahs, that every Yid will be able to benefit and enjoy that Oragonus which is Mashpia, Tremendous Shefa Rav. And we hope that each and every family and each and every Yid, in his own way, what he needs, it comes to fruition and it comes to full flourish through the Or HaGonos. Now, the Or HaChaim HaKadosh asks a question, and that is, that we find at the end of Mekates, which we read today, we read Shabbos Hanukkah, that we, we understand that there is a change in the 
graphics in at the end of McCates, Yosef had planted a goblet, a kos, a becher, in the sack of Binyamin to be able to falsely accuse him of having the goblet, had taken the goblet, and when they were brought back to Yosef at the end of last week's center, the Mikates, that he he said uh, Yehuda stepped forward. He was Malchus and he felt responsible. He had promised his father that Kiorav, because he he said to his father, if I don't bring back Binyamin, then I will have sinned to you. In Olam Hazeh I give up, and I give up Olam Haba. So said Yehuda to his father. So he really felt he was on the spot with the Achrayas, with the responsibility of bringing Binyamin back. So the Arachayim HaKadosh asks, that when they got back and Yosef said, in other words, Yehuda said to Yosef, listen, you caught us with the goods. The goblet's not ours, it's yours, and it was in his sack. However, we, we have to face the music. We will be slaves and that's it. So Yosef answers, I don't want any of you. You go back to your father. And Binyamin, who had the goblet, he'll stay and be my slave, but not you, not any of you. That is how the Sedra ends, suspenseful last week. Mikates. And we now come into Vayigash, and there's a different posture of Yehuda. There's a very, like, brazen. He stepped forward, and he said, first he started off speaking nicely, but as the Medrash said, he basically said, listen, Binyamin's coming back with us. And he had dispatched Naphtali, who was the family runner, and he went, he told Naphtali, go search out, go run to each community. There are 12 counties in Mitzrayim. Check out each county. So he came back and said, there's 12, you were right, and this county is this, and that got, so Yehuda answered and said, you know what? Each one of the brothers will take on to wipe out one county, and I will not take the last three, and I'll wipe out the last three. So he was ready for war. So the Orachim HaKadosh says, in Mikates, he's like contrite, and he's very submissive. And now suddenly, listen, either we can work this out nicely, or there's going to be devastation here in Mitzrayim. That's what the Medrash says he said to him. So Yosef, when he kept hearing about his father not able to survive without Binyamin coming home, couldn't hold out anymore. And at that juncture, 
Yehuda went, uh, Yosef went, and he said to the brothers, Ani Yosef, I am Yosef. And the Arachayim HaKadosh answers his question and says that in the beginning he was contrite because they thought that the whole problem they were having here with Yosef and Mitzrayim was the fact what they did to their brother Yosef. And they were being punished for it. But now that it came, Binyamin was the issue. Binyamin wasn't there by the Mechira. He had nothing to do with it. Oh, so this has nothing to do with the story of we selling our brother Yosef. Oh, this is just something that you want to be mean-spirited and you want to take him as a victim? That's how the, the Parsha of Ayigash says, the Arachayim HaKadosh, that it begins the different approach in how they dealt with Yosef. Now, the Medrash says that first the, the, the Gro, the Vilna Gon says, Vayigash Elov Yehuda. The first three words of our Sedra this coming Shabbos. And the Gros says, Vayigash Elov, that there is a Kadma Viazla, the cantillation, the trump, the notes. On the words is Vayigash love Kadma Viazla, meaning he got up and went. Yehuda, there's a Ravii, who was the fourth son. Kadma Viazla, he got up and went, the fourth son. And then it is Zarka Munach Sego, that he felt that. He had to throw away all of his cheshboinahs and munach segol and place in the place of all of this temptation of being contrite and trying to work out a solution for the segula, for the am segula, for Klal Yisrael. That the whole asidus of Klal Yisrael was now at the brink of disaster. So the Vilna Gon said that that was the cheshben that had to be thrown away, munach segol, for the amsegula. Now, the last thing that Yehuda said, ki eich ela el avi, v'hana'ar einenu iti that we were brought up throughout our youth, that the goal was that our father was given the schos of being moiled the yud beishvotim. And the reason that Yaakov cried all the time, the 22 years that he thought Yosef was devoured by some wild animal, was because he knew that if he didn't have the 12 shvotim, he was going to Gehenna. That's what the Medrash says. So that Yaakov Avinu, that was his mission in life. People have to fulfill their mission in life. And if they don't, they get sidetracked by the shtusim, 
They can let weeks go by, no Gemara, no Chumash. They're busy, they're making money, they have to do this, that, that everything takes precedent, but they weren't sent down here to make money. They were sent down here to have Parnassah. This whole thing that a million's not enough, it's got to be a hundred million, is what brings the guy straight into Gehenna because he gives up his whole life, his family, instead of working till five o'clock and then going to Davim Minchon Meirev and coming home and spending two hours with the children and learning with the children and having dinner with the children. Uh, he's busy in his office. He's got to make the extra 200,000. He sits and gives up the whole family, comes home, they're sleeping, they're this, that, but he doesn't have to do it. That's only the Mishagas in his head that the money has become the Avodah Zorah. So, the Mephorshim say, Ki eich ele el ovi, how can I go up to my father Yaakov, v'hana'ar and the lad, Binyamin, is not with me. So the Kutzker used to teach, that how can I go back to my father in heaven after the 120 years? The Hanar in the days of my youth are not with me. When he gets 50, 60, 70, uh, I'm slowing down. I'm not what I used to be. I can't do 10 things in a day. Parnos I must have. So everything else has to slowly go out of the window. I don't have the koyach at 10 o'clock to run to Davin Meirev. I don't have the koyach to open up a chumash when I had such a difficult day. So the temporary becomes the main thing. But in his youth, he had the ability. He can't say he didn't have the koyach. He was more than able. He was able to run here, run there for what were his priorities. And that's what the Kutzker says that he was saying to him. Because our whole youth that we grew up was to take care of our father and his son, his partner, that he was the one to be the backbone and the cementing factor of the Yud Beis Shiftei Now it's not here. That's how we grew up. Ki eich ele olavi, how are we going to come up to the Rabbana Shalom? V'hana'ar, and our youth is not with us what our tafkid and our goal and everything else had to be. And we're empty-handed. The Hanar and our purpose in life of our youth, a nenu iti, is not with us anymore. And it was with those words that Yosef broke down and revealed himself as being what he was. Being Yosef. Now, the Ramban, the Mephorshim asks a question. The Ramban makes a statement, and then the Mephorshim, the Mephorshim make a statement on the Medrash that says that when Yosef said to the brothers, I am Yosef, the Pasuk says, Velo yochlu la'anos oso. They were not, they were overwhelmed. They stood there, they couldn't say, Velo yochlu la'anos oso. They couldn't answer him. They couldn't ask, answer, statement, something. 
They just stood there completely silent. So the Medrash says on those words that they couldn't say anything, V'lo yachlu la'anos oso oi lonu miyom hadin. Oi lonu miyom ha-tochecha. That Nebuch will be the day when a person dies and he comes up for judgment. And he's not going to have what to answer, just like the brothers, because now they were being called on the carpet. Ani Yosef. And immediately he asked him, Ha'od avichoi? Is our father still alive? What kind of a question was that? The whole time they were talking about the father won't be able to survive at Binyam. They're talking about the father the whole time. What do you mean? He says, I'm Yosef. And by the way, is our father still alive? They're talking the whole time about the father. But what Yosef was saying is that the reason that you're crying about Binyamin, about this, about that, is because of your father. My father won't be able to survive another loss, this, that. So when I, you knew that I was the favorite, and that's why you were jealous, that's why you hated me. Ani Yosef, when you sold me, were you worried about your father? Ha'od avichoy, did you ask yourselves, were our father be able to sustain? You're talking the whole time now that your father would not be able to survive what would happen if Binyamdeh, but you know how close I was to our father. Ani Yosef, Ha'od Avichoy, did you ask yourselves the question, will he live? Will our father be alive after you go back and tell your story that I was devoured and I was whatever you told him? So that was a statement of rebuke and it put them on the spot. And the Medrash says that that's like the Yom Adin when a person comes up that down here he always has rationale for what he did, justifying all the nonsense and all the ridiculous stuff that he did in his lifetime and wasted 90% of his life. So the Ramban asks, where is the rebuke? He only said the words, Ani Yosef. So where's the rebuke to him? So the Ramban makes a statement that is very famous, and Chazal quote him constantly. Hagazera emes, that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants things to go a certain way, that's it, that's the emes, and that's how it's going to be. But the Haritza Sheker, all the positioning and the rationalization is nonsense. The Yosef thought he went and told his father that they're Chayev Angilia Royus, they're eating Treif, they're eating Aver Menachai. It wasn't true. He thought it was true. The, the mentor says that's what he was coming home and telling the father. The brothers thought he's out to kill us. He wasn't out to kill them. Yaakov Avinu thought 
that this is a normal thing to send a son out. Where the go find your brothers and come back and tell me how they're doing. Didn't say where they are, what they are. And the normal thing would have been if Yosef went out and looked all over, and then he met the Mal of Gabriel who told her, oh, they went to Do Dosen. After he couldn't find them, the normal thing would have been to turn around and go back home and say, Tati, I looked, I went, I searched, I didn't find them. And that would have been the end of the story. But all of these things are on the surface because we have impressions and rationalizations. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it to happen a different way, that's the way it's going to end up being. And that's a, a, a yesod of the Ramban in many different places in Chumash that, you know, it looks like this, looks like that, looks like Yosef was torturing his brothers and that. And he goes into a whole thing while the dreams had to come true. Till the brothers bowed down to him, which they did when he said on the Yosef. And they brought down Yaakov Avinu, who also bowed before him, even though he knew it was his son. It was his son, but he was a king. So that's what had to happen. So all of these happenings that he accused them of, of, of stealing, accused uh, uh, them of being spies and everything that he did, says the Ramban, is because that is the life of a human being. That HaGzeira Emes, the way Hashem wants it, is the way it will be. But V'hacharitzus and the rationalization of people, then he should have gone back and said to his father, I looked for them and I couldn't find But he went and the Malach came and said to him, go to Dosen and you're going to find them over there. And he did. And that's why everything, why did he have to be sold? Why did they first have to throw him into a pit? They wanted to kill him. They thought he had a din roidif that he, want, that he wanted to kill them. So we really see from all of this story a path in life. We plan certain things. We try our best to get there, and this happens and that happens. Some things we succeed with, some things we are up against a roadblock, and we're banging our heads on the wall. Leave a, an inch more for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He knows exactly where you're up to in life. He knows exactly what you have to do and you don't have to do. And that's how it's going to end up. Because he will direct the traffic whether we like it or we don't like it. And happy and lucky is the person that has the amuna to be able to shift gears in his mind from the major disappointment and the major devastation from little things to never tra terrible tragedies. But it happens for one reason. That's the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it to be, and that's the way it turns out. Now, and that is Vatsas Hashem Hisokum. That the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it to be, that's the way it is. Now, we know 
that when Yosef sent the brothers home, he sent them home with wagons filled with all sorts of goodies and things for the father. In one Pasek, it says, that when he came home, they told, Old Yosef Chai, Yosef is still alive. And the Pasek says, He almost had a heart attack. His heart jumped. Ki lo min lohem. He didn't believe what they were saying. Now, let's stop for just a second. The brothers came home, these were tzaddikim, and they told the father after he's sitting 22 years and crying about Yosef, Yosef is alive. And they didn't just say to him, excuse me, they took Serach Basosher, Sarah Usher, one of the brothers, one of the Shivteka, had a daughter named Sarah, Sin Reish Ches. Sarah. And she knew how to play. Some say it was a violin, and some say it was a harp. But it was music. And she took the harp or the violin, and she was singing Old Yosef Chai in music because music can cushion the shock. It's soft, it's appealing, it's something that can help. So the Medrash says they asked Serach Basosher to sing it to, to Yaakov so he shouldn't have literally a heart attack on the spot. And, and by the way, Serech Basosher, when the story was over, Yaakov Avinu gave her a, a, a bracha that she will not die. Now we know that in, Ira, that in Iran, Serech Basosher is buried. That people, they go to Mordechai and Esther's kever before Roshanah, they go to Serech Basosher. So what do you mean she's buried there? He gave her a bracha never to die. But never to die does not mean that they're walking around. Just like it says Yaakov Avinu, lo meis, he didn't die. But he's buried in Hebron, in Maris Hamachpela. So what it means is that the steps after a person's neshama leaves him, that he goes through different stages until the burial. He's in big tsar pain before the burial. And that's why we're not supposed to wait to bury a person. When somebody says, and I've said it maybe to you, I know one of my shurim, I said it when they say, well, cousin Esther in Los Angeles has to be by the Leviathan, and she can't come for two days. Well, we, we would appreciate and be happy if Aunt Esther could come. But we're not going to do it at the expense of pain to the nifter. The main thing when someone dies is the nifter, not anyone else. And everything we do have to be for our benefit. And that's why 
We say Tillam non-stop before the Kvura, and many people will go to the funeral home and hire their Shomer to say Tillam the whole night till the next day. And if someone could bury someone that day, Ashrehem, because it takes a lot of tsar away from the Nifter. And there's entire, he says, Tillam. And then when they get to the Kever, after the Kvura, the Heshmei Rabbah, the Kaddish, is at that point the key thing for the Nifter. So Serach Basosher, and when the Neshama then is buried, when the Guf is buried, the Neshama has to go through a Chibut HaKever, which means that all the Taivas and all the enjoyment are like when you take a quilt and you bang it out of the dust. That's what happens to the neshama. It's banged out, and it's a big tsar. But if some, but a person that low mace doesn't have to go through any of that. There's a free ticket of entry. And the Arizal says that if someone is zoicha to be buried after chatzos on Friday, after chatzos, there's no chibata kever. It's a sign from Shemayim that they were zoicha to go scot-free into Shemayim without any chibata kever. So that's what it means that she, but she did live long because we know, for instance, she lived uh, through three, four, 300 years later, when uh, 400 years later, when Moshe Rabbeinu, um, no, it's not 400 years, it's much longer, it's like, 500 years, 600 years, uh, that she, that Moshe Rabbein didn't know. They promised that Yo, they would take Yosef's bones, his body, out of Mitzrayim and bury him in Shechem, which they did. But Moshe Rabbein, while the people were running around pocketing all the gold and all the silver and everything, he was busy looking, the Medrash says, for Yosef's body. So he realized at the end that no one knew, but the only one still living in that generation was Serach Basosher. And he went to Serach and she said, come, I'll show you. We put it into the Nile. And if you take the words, Ali Shor, that Ali Shor, that Yosef was called an ox because of his refusal to do the Avera of, of, of Parshas Vayeshev. So he was like a shore, like strong, like an ox. So he put in the words Ali Shore, and the casket, the Oren, came up to the top, and that's what they took out of Mitzrayim and buried. But it was because Serach Basosher showed them where it was. Now, when Moshe Rabbeinu was told by Hashem, go to the people, to call Yisrael, and tell them that it's time to leave Mitzrayim, uh, so the people said, but there was supposed to be a code word to tell us that it's time to leave Mitzrayim. So, and, and Moshe Rabbeinu did not know the code, the code word and when he did find out the code word, then the people said, how do we know that that's the word? 
So they went over to the every the elders went over to Sarah Basosher, and she asked, "What did he say?" And she and they said, "He said the code words pakod yifkod elokim eschem." She said, "That is exactly the code word," and they left Mitzrayim. And later, when Sheva ben Bichri rebelled against David Melech, it says he ran into a city and they closed the walls of the city and the army, the soldiers of David could not get in. So they threw a message over the wall. Either you give out the traitor or we're going to kill the whole city. So they didn't know what to do. Are they mechuyev to give out the man or not? So it says that they went to ask an Isha Zekena who lived in that city, an old lady. Says Rashi, who was this old lady? Sarah Bas Osher. And she paskin for them. He's a moirid b'malchus. You have to give him out. And they did. They gave up, but she was the one, and this is by David Amelech, from Yaakov Avinu, until David Amelech was at least uh, 600, 700 years, uh, because Yaakov Avinu was like 2100 Libria Soilum, and they left Mitzrayim was in the year 2448, from number one year being Bria Soilum by Odom Arishon down 2,448. And David HaMelech lived in a, at around 2,800, which was like 350, 400 years later. And she was still living. So she had Arichas Yomim more than everyone else. But at a certain point, she did die and they buried her. And the people, go. even the Goyim were afraid to touch Mordechai and Miriam uh, and Esther's kever and Serach Basosher. Um, so anyway, Serach Basosher played the music. And we learn from that, the lesson to us is that when you say anything negative to another person, Let's say you have to tell them that your mother died, your aunt died. I mean, this is information that they have to know. No one wants to convey negative information. But yet you're mechuyiv to tell them so they could take care of the kvura, take care of what has to be done. But it has to be with sensitivity. That's the lesson. They didn't want to just say, Od Yosef Chai. And with the music, he still... His heart like jumped, but it was with music to try to cushion as much as they could the news that they were bringing to him, and that's why they did it through Serach Bas Usher with music. But the question that the Mephorshim asked is, he it says the Pasa he didn't believe them. Now let's stop for just a second. Why didn't he believe them? What did he think? That they were just being sadistic? You have to be a pretty mean child to come to a father who's sitting for 22 years in a sackcloth and crying 
and they couldn't comfort him, as the Pusik says at last week's Sedrim by Yeshev, that Velo Velo Yochlu Vayakumu called Bona Vachol Benosov Lenachamo Vayemoen Lenachem. He refused to be comforted. And for 22 years he was sitting. Did Yaakov think they were just coming to tease him? They'd have to be Rishoyim Gemurim to do such a thing to a father who's sitting there and crying about the death of a son. So what do you mean, Lohem Min Lohem? So what did it mean when they were saying, what did he think when they, they said to him, Yosef is alive? <coughs> that they were just teasing him? But they then showed him the wagons. And he caught the hint. Because the last thing that Yosef was doing with his father was he was learning the Parsha of Egla Arufa. Egla Arufa is when a dead body is found between two cities. You know, today you hear on the radio every day six people were killed, two people were killed, like it happens every day, people being killed. But then when they found a dead body, they stopped everything and they summoned the Sanhedrin of Yerushalayim to stop what they're doing and go out to that city and measure which city were they was the body closer to. And everything stopped. A person was found dead. This was a world event. Not like we became used to when we hear people are dead or people died. So Yosef and Yaakov were learning this parish of the halachas of Egla Rufa. Now the word Egla, which means a goat, Ayin Gimel Lamed Hay, are the same letters as agola, a wagon. Different vowels, pronounced differently, but the same letters. So Yaakov Avinu caught the hint because that never left his mind what they were discussing when they talked about Egla Rufa. And now he saw agolos, he caught the hint of Yosef to remind them, do you remember the last thing we learned? Egla Rufa. And then it, the Pasuk said that first it says, Ki lohem he didn't believe them. And now it says, he saw, Vayaris he saw the wagons, now he believed it. What suddenly happened five minutes later? That he believed. And the Mephorshim say, Kadmonim bring, that a person attaches himself, his Ruchnias, attaches himself to the Torah. They were telling him, and he's looking at his sons, he knows that they're not mean-spirited to go say something to him, to tease him while he's sitting in a sackcloth crying still. But it didn't move him and he didn't believe them. But when they talk Torah, 
they showed the Argolos, and he realized it meant Egla Arufa. With that, the Torah can revive a person. And there's a famous story told with the Chavetz Chaim that there was a, a, young, a young couple that got married, and during the Sheva Brachas, the Chosen disappeared. And the girl never remained in Aguna. And there's someone who's married, an Ashish, if she doesn't have a get, or there's not Adim that, that the husband died, or whatever happened, she can't just go remarry. She's an Ashish. And never she is in a state of being an Aguna without some identifying information that she's no longer married to the man. So this young girl, 30 years went by from age 18 to 48. And there's a knock on her door one day and the man walks and she looks at him and he says, I'm back. I'm back, I'm here. And she's, and it's 30 years later, so he, now he has a beard, and now he looks different, he is graying, and that. So she didn't know if she, she should believe, and he starts, and she starts asking him, do you remember our wedding? What color were the tablecloths, and what color were the flowers? And he's answering every question. Oh, yeah, it was yellow this, and white that, and that. And uh, there were 200 people we had at the wedding, and they served this, and they served that. So they came to the Chofetz Chaim. They asked if they should believe him. Is it the husband? And he even knew private things, because they were intimate. The night of the chasna, and he would describe this, that. Huh? So the Chofetz Chaim said, take him into the shul and ask him where he sat. And he came into the shul, and he couldn't answer where he sat. So the Chavetz Chaim said, obviously, he's an imposter. So the people asked, Rebbe, he described everything. Why did your thing make you paskin that it's an imposter? So he answered because everything you were talking about was the gashmias, it was the you know, the color of the tablecloth, and that can't link someone to his source. But when you go davening, where where did you daven? That's ruchmias already. That's not tablecloths or flowers. That's where were you davening and koveya your mukam latfila and everything, and he couldn't answer. So you saw that he didn't have the connection that he was claiming to have. So said the Chovetz Chaim. So when Yaakov Avinu saw the Agolos, that reattached him with Yosef. And from the one Pesach says, Ki lo he didn't believe them. And said, Tati, we're telling you he's alive. Ki lo Oh, Vayaras Egla Rufa Torah. That can reattach me. Batachi Ruach Yaakov Avia.
Now, interestingly, the Pasuk says that when Yosef, before he admitted Ani Yosef, he said, I want everyone out. I mean, he had servants. He was the viceroy. He had servants. He had butlers. He had uh, everybody out. I mean, so the Pasha of Pshat, Rashi says in the, and the Medrash brings, he didn't want to embarrass the brothers in front of Goyim, in front of the Mitzriah. So he wanted everybody out. Now, before he said Ani Yosef, he was taking a big chance because they had the power to kill him. There was, if none of the bodyguards and none of the vice, none of the butlers were there, he was alone with the brothers. And at that point, they thought he was keeping Binyamin. And Yehuda told him, listen, there's no way Binyamin is staying. So sending everybody out at that point. And once he said Ani Yosef, the story changed suddenly. But before he said it, and he said, first, everybody out. He took a big risk. And then later in that same Pusik, it says, Velo Omad Ish Ito. And there was no man. And there was, he said, everybody out. And then the Pusik says that there was nobody there. Now, if he gave an order, Take every single man out of this room. Why does the Pasuk, as a matter of fact, I think it's the, I'm forgetting, but it's one of the, maybe it's the Archimaka, one of them asked, what's this question that they now, the, the, the Pasuk says, and no one stood there. Of course, if he gave an order, everybody out. What are you telling us? And no, and no one remained there. We understand no one remained. He said, everybody out. So there is a vort that is, I think, a very marvelous thought that we can learn from, and it can be very useful to us in our daily lives. You know... When the daughters of Yisro came home, and they and I said this to you many, many weeks ago, that when their father asked them, like, you know, what are you doing? What are you home so early? So they said, Well, there was a an Egyptian man who helped us because we were already in the wells. These Royan, these shepherds wanted us dead. And we were already in the water, in the water. It wasn't they were just uh, teasing us. And the, they were in the water. And he came and pulled out every girl and then took care of their song. Uh, and he did it one, two, three. So that's why we're home early. So he said, well, what did you leave him outside? Go call him and let him come in and eat. Give him something to drink. Give him something to eat. And he stayed there 10 years and married Sephora, his daughter. And when they said Ish Mitzri, they were referring to Moshe Rabbeinu, who looked like a Mitzri. 
And we know that Moshe Rabbeinu begged to, if he can't go into Eretzel alive, at least let him be buried in Eretzel. And the reason he was not buried in Eretzel is because the girls called him a Nishmitzri. That he should have looked like a Yid, not like a Mitzri. That's the reason. The Medrash says it preferish. So the Mepharshim say that they were not saying Ish Mitzri about Moshe Rabbeinu. They were saying about the, Moshe Rabbeinu was on the run. He was a fugitive. Why? Because of the Ish Mitzri that went and snitched on him to, and to Paro. And Paro wanted to kill him. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to run away. So they said that if that Ish Mitzri didn't snitch on Moshe Rabbeinu, he wouldn't have been here to save us. So Ish Mitzri hitzilonu miyad haroyim, not referring to Moshe Rabbeinu, according to one opinion the, in the Medrash, the Ish Mitzri. Now, it says that he said, take every man out of this room. And our question was, why does the Pasuk continue and say, Velo omad ish ito, that there was no man standing there. Now we know that the story with Yosef, when he left his father's house, he didn't find the brothers. But there was a Malach, Gavriel. It says, Vayim Ehu Ish. A man found, saw him verblungent, that he was like lost. And he said, what are, you, what are you looking for? Oh, I'm looking for my brothers. Oh, yeah, I said they were here, but they went. I heard them say that, that and it was the Malach Gavriel. Malach Gavriel. And the Malach in the Pasuk is not called by his name. He's called Ish. Rashi tells us. The Medrash that it was Gavriel who was there. But the Pasuk says Ish. So when Yosef said, take all the people out of this room. And after things started happening, Velo Omad Ish, Imo. To his credit, Yosef did not say it was the Ish, the Lo Omad Ish, Gavriel, who told me, go to Doisen. And that's what got me into all the trouble. And the, what is comparable, if somebody is leaving his house and he hears the phone ringing and he has to be in 10 minutes somewhere, to take care of something. And he hears the phone ringing. So, all right, you know, let me go see who's on the phone and then I'll leave. And he answers the phone and he talks for 15 minutes to the person. So he's 10 minutes behind when he gets into his car and then he has a terrible accident. And even if he walks away from the accident, but his car is totaled. And if he says to himself, you see, I should have never answered the telephone because I wouldn't have been when that crazy driver ran into me, I wouldn't have met him. That's Kfira. That's what an Apikoros would say. 
Because if you didn't have to be hit your car and be total, it wouldn't have happened. You're saying that your events, your actions controlled what did happen or didn't happen is nonsense. Whether you answered the phone or you didn't answer the phone, if it was meant to be, I could have, that's what the Pusik's saying. Yosef didn't blame it on anything. Well, it never would have happened to me, and I would have never been sold as a slave, and I never would have, if I would, wouldn't have listened to that ish. And that's what it means, velo omad ish, emo. He didn't have a built-in rationalization and a terrorist for what happened to him by the ish, by the ish gavriel. Beautiful thought. And that for us is a guideline. We do our best. We plan, we try to execute what we feel is right. But if things go differently, oh, I shouldn't have done this, it never would have happened. That's absolute nonsense. Because things that happen to a person are meant to happen to him. He can only control and do as his best. But he can't look back and say, I shouldn't have done this or shouldn't have done that because it was meant to be Shemayim. You would have Whatever had to happen to you, happened to you. And that's what we learned below. Omad Ish, Imo, that a person did not stand with him, referring to the Ish, to Gavriel, that had I not listened to him, things would have worked out differently. He didn't say it. Velo Omad Ish, he didn't bring in any outside extraneous reasoning or not reasoning. Now, the last thing that I want to mention to you is a word from Reb Chaim Shmuel Levitz, the Rosh Hashiva Zechat Tzadik Lebracha of Mir, who said, At the end of our Sedra, Vayigash, Yosef comes down. First, the Svasem says, nothing to do with, uh, with Reb, um, Chaim Shmulevitz, that I want to tell you. When Yosef meets Yaakov, his father, it says that Yosef cried and hugged him and kissed him and, as we would have expected. So Rashi asks, so where were, and what was Yaakov doing while he was kissing him? Why doesn't it say they both were kissing and hugging? He was reading Krishna. So the Svasem says that was the only minute for him to say Krishna. He was waiting and crying for 22 years. Now you're holding him. Cry, kiss, hug, everything. But says the Svasemis that all the love that was conjured up in him and came out at that moment, he wanted to give it to Akkadish Baruch He said, Krishna, the Shema. So says the Svasemis. That when we have heightened moments that we can be so happy in it, Find something to put it into a dvar mitzvah and give the nachas ruach to Kodesh Baruch Hu, that he should be extra happy with your heightened ahava and avas Hashem 
at the moment of something exhilarating, a moment under a chuppah that your child's getting, different things that happen to a person. But what I want to tell you from Rebchaim Shmulevitz is that when Yaakov Avinu went into Paro, the first question that Paro asked him is, how old are you? Now, when we meet people, when we meet people, usually we don't ask them the first question, how old are you? It's not good to Mephorshim, not just in 2022 that it's not <laughs> etiquette. Or, uh, this was then also, that wasn't a thing to ask as a first question. But Yaakov Avinu looked so ragged and old, the Mephorshim say, that it, like power was like in shock. So he reacted of the shock. He said, how old are you? I mean, like... So Yaakov Avinu answered him and said, many of my years were not so good. And the Rabbanish one said, oh, you're complaining about the years? I saved you from Lavan. I saved you from Esav. I saved you from Mitzrayim. You became the viceroy. Things in the beginning didn't look so good, but you were saved. You're complaining to Paro? So all of the Abbas were supposed to live 180 years. The only one of the three who lived 180 was Yitzchak. Avram Avinu lost five years of his life because Hashem didn't want him to see Esau go out to all of the negative bad things he was doing. So he took him away from this world five years early, and he died. He was Nifter at 175. Yaakov Avinu died, was Nifter at 147. He lost 33 years for every word that he said complaining to Paro. So asked Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, but there were seven words where the question of power, why should Yaakov had to have been found guilty? Because he asked him a question. There was only 26 words of his complaining. So the answer of Chaim Shmuel Levitz, because Paro's question was also guilty of Yaakov because the way he looked ragged and sad. And that prompted his question. So it wasn't just what he said that he had bad years. It was the way he looked like a man who had bad years. So therefore he was held responsible and answerable for the seven years, the seven words of the question also. What do we learn from this? And Yaakov Avinu Nebuch lost seven years of his life because of those seven words of the question. We learned from this that every word and ever even facial expression makes a difference in how we interact with the person, not just 
that we should be cheerful or that we should be pleasant. Could be this person sitting a day that no one acknowledged them, no one had anything to do with them, no one had anything to say to them, and you meet them, how are you? Tell me, how was this? How was that? You pick up the spirits of the person. But not only that, the words, but the facial expression. When you pass somebody, if you don't talk to them, and you just nod with a good smile or a pleasantness that the person feels acknowledged, you're happy to see him, you're happy to meet him, you're happy to be with him. And that is something which can make the difference. By Yaakov Avinu Nebuch, it made a difference in 33 years of his life. And we should be zoiche, to be able not only to pull ourselves up to a plateau of positivity and happiness, because life is happiness. Waking up in the morning is happiness. And that should be a reason for a person to dance through the day. But everything of how he interacts, what he says, what he expresses, and how he looks can make a difference, and we can make a difference in people's lives if we utilize the capability, we the tools, the vehicles of Machshava Deber Misa in interacting with other people. We can make someone's day, someone's week, someone's problem, when you talk it out with them and you show the positive and how they should think, you can change everything for them and their lives. Have a wonderful week. This, uh, tomorrow is Zos Hanukkah. As I told you, those who don't get Yom Kippur or Hoshana Rabbah, their Chasima, it comes then on. Zos Hanukkah, Bezos Yechupa Avon Yaakov. And I heard that, that in Bluzhev they dance a whole night. They give out Lekach, it's like Erev Yom Kippur, because of the Chasima. We should all have a Gemar Chasima Toiva.